Our story at number 11, the cutoff for this week, has this headline, VCU fraternity under investigation after death of freshman student. This is a very tragic story. I happen to actually have a chance to see an interview with the parents of this student sometime this weekend. It was a heartbreaking story. Also, it's one of those types of stories that are more popular, at least it happened more often than we like to happen, but has not been happening as much post-pandemic because not a lot of gatherings, not a lot of frat parties going on. Check out the story by going to our website, this is a conversation.com. Click on the link for the Coos podcast for the week ending March the 6th, 2021. And we have the links to every single story in the countdown from top to bottom, including this one to the cutoff. But we're not going into it right now because we focus this podcast on the stories you want to hear about. You wanted to talk about, you chat about it, the stories from 10 to 1 that you said were the most conversation throughout the week. And we'll get to them in mere moments here on the weekly wrap up with Jay Cliff and Payne. The show for the week ending March the 3rd, 2021. And welcome to the show. My name, Jay Cleveland Payne, the show weekly wrap-up show. What happens in the weekly wrap-up show? We wrap up the week of news stories. Just that simple. Where do the news stories come from? Well, this whole thing is something called the Conversation Project. It lives at thisistheconversation.com. It's had a couple different lives, but what it's turning to now is a way to gather from you guys what news stories are the most conversational this week or in weeks and months, years as we do some things as well. You just interact with us, and then we come down with the calculations and tell you what stories that the world, people around the world, our social media engagement thought were stories worth talking about, not things that necessarily were stuck as top breaking news that breaks all day long, not necessarily something a news director said this will bring people in. We put in stories from various different sources, very different places, very different parts around the world, and you engage with our social media to tell us which ones were the top social media, including Facebook at This Is The Conversation and on Twitter at TH underscore conversation. When you look to our sites, basically your engagement with the stories, liking them, hating them, loving them, sharing them, reading them, gave more juice to each story. And at the end of the week, we took a, a ranking from Friday at midnight to Friday around 5 a.m., put them into a spreadsheet that turned everything into a one single solitary score to rank everything from top to bottom. Top, number one, bottom this week, 202. 202 distinct different stories going on this week. Now, we have a lot of uh, shenanigans to talk about in a little bit. Now, we'll get to those once we start going into the stories, but we'll basically tell you how this thing works out going forward. So, to be into the countdown, follow us on social media, and engage in the stories that's come down. To conversate with us with anything you want to, including especially the stories we talk about every week, email us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. Now, this podcast is a labor of love, but it is a labor. It takes time, effort, and resources, and all your help is great. So the best way you help is by, of course, listening to the podcast, sharing with other people so we have more people in the podcast, sharing the social media links as well. But most importantly, if you feel like you're getting great content out of what we're doing here, partner with us. Consider it. Go to thisisaconversation.com slash partnerships, and we will see what we can do to help you out. You can literally be a partner in this show. There are very different ways there as well. And, of course, visit our sponsors on any of our platforms, whether it's on the website, whether it is in the newsletter, whether it's links through the feed. And this week, we are especially happy to have Blinkist as one of our big sponsors pushing for this one. We'll talk about Blinkist towards the end of the show. But in the meantime, let's get to the stories you want to go. Count them down from 10 to 1. 
starting off with the story at number 10. Our headline for this one is Jaheel French, the grassy, the next generation actor, dead at 28. The story gets a bump in response. That means more people responded to this, were more engaging with this one than the last story. Why that one we're not talking about, this one we are, by 11.63%. Here's the write-up that we gave to you guys. We pulled this from CNN.com. Uh, so this is a little bit of what they put out for the week, and we put this right up in our newsletter for you to get the information from. Jamil French, an actor known for his role as Dave Turner on the Canadian series Degrassi's Next Generation, has died, according to his agent, Gabriel Cockman. He was 28. Quote, it is with a heavy heart that I confirm the passing of our dear friend and client, Jahel French, Cockman said in a statement. He will be remembered for many of his passion for the arts, his commitment to his craft, and his vibrant personality. I ask that you keep his family and friends in your thoughts and prayers at the difficult time. No details on the cause of death were made available. French's other credits included Netflix's soundtrack, the pop series Let's Get Physical, and the film Boost. Soundtrack creator Joshua Safran on Twitter paid tribute to the young star writing, quote, I can confirm my good friend, co-worker, and all-around inspiration, Jahel French, passed away yesterday. Only posting because I see this story getting out there. I will have more to say about him later. Right now, we are all processing the devastating news. Stephen Brogan, a Canadian actor, producer, and director who was a cast member of French's On Degrassi, praised the actor for his performance on the show. There's a lot of bits and pieces of that in the article from CNN on that day, and it was a pretty big, majorly trending thing going on. Degrassi, the next generation, is the next iteration from the original Degrassi Junior High, which was still, which was well past my time watching Canadian um, drama shows about junior high kids. But so essentially in between the two, but Degrassi, the next generation is essentially the vehicle that launched a lot of larger Canadian stars and some international stars, including a guy named Drake. You may have heard of him. Uh, This is a big deal for folks who are in that age range. Of course, 29 years old is well past my age range of, of folks in my peers. But this was a pretty big story. As we said in the story and going beyond, no real details were given on the actual cause of death. For most parts, Jahil French is a mid-range actor and a mid-range Canadian actor, if you will. So it didn't get a lot of pub with anything large going on, but a lot of people showing love for him at this stage for here. So people who love that old show or people who love him, whatever is doing now, most stuff doing was kind of local-ish theater, if you will, uh, giving their thoughts and prayers to the family, which we do as well. Now, shenanigans. We'll talk more about how they got here, but we have things, uh, two different things we usually have to explain inside of the podcast when they're a little weird. We have what we call super stories, where we have stories that are updates of each other, essentially the same story with different headlines. And we'll combine all those stats together so they're not floating around just basically polluting the numbers. And we'll have the super story with the either most uh, most significant headline or the latest headline, the one that has the most towards the end of the story. And we'll remind, tell you of that one because that, that that way, that story is juiced up. We may have like three updates or something. Tiger Woods story from last week, for example, three different updates turned together, made those stories turn into a very large story altogether. We also have ties, but we don't like to have ties. Because we put the number of Facebook and Twitter and put it into the algorithm that gives us a full score, Sometimes those scores come out to be ties. 
What we do with those ties is we have the tiebreaker be when that story was published. So the younger story, the story that gets to that number first, is the higher ranked story. This week we have two ties, but one of those ties is a four-way tie, and that starts off the story at nine. So going from nine to six, they have the exact same ranking by number, but by date, when they were published, how young they are, is how they got ranked in higher order. We have another sec- regular tie of two ties coming in a bit. But let's deal with this four-way tie first. So the next four stories all have a bump in response of 20.83% from the number 10 story. They are all equally ranked. Uh, their numbers are all fairly similar, but because you know Twitter and Facebook added together, they came out to be the same number. So uh, going deeper into that is no real, real reason it's because we go by the one true score. One true score says they all are exactly the same. So story number nine, going up from nine all the way up to six for the ties, starts off with this one. A lot of these are, are long write-ups, so I'm going to warn you that right now. Henry Cavill joins Marvel as this major superhero from a giant freaking robot, a blog we're getting a lot of stuff from lately. Here's part of their write-up. Henry Cavill is hanging up his cape when it comes to Superman. The actor is out when it comes to playing the last son of Krypton, but rumor has persisted that he could be joining up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and headlining one of their upcoming superhero projects. There has been a ton of information regarding exactly what role Cavill would be attached to if he did decide to play in the Marvel sandbox until some news just dropped that sheds a light on what Marvel's plans would be for the former Man of Steel. Mickey Sutton of Geeks Gossity is reporting that Marvel Studios would love nothing more than to get Henry Cavill to play the character of Brian Braddock, a.k.a. Captain Britain. Before you start thinking that a character would just be a British copy and paste job of Captain America, you might want to take a gander at the character's actual background. Instead of being given powers through super science, Braddock receives his powers through magic that was gifted to him by none other than the legendary magician Merlin. He draws his powers from interdimensional energies that are connected with the British Isles in multiple universes. Basically, Henry Cavill would get to play a very different kind of character than Captain America and would be give audience yet another attachment to the magical side of Marvel Cinematic Universe. Henry Cavill has been the favorite for Marvel Studios casting of Captain Britain for quite some time. Mickey Stratton Scoop, the actor, was the forerunner for the role back in 2019. It sounds like the powers that be at Marvel have continued to keep their eye on Cavill and what he has been doing with him now removed from the duties at Superman could they pounce on him while he's a free agent at the realm of on-screen superhero roles? And would nabbing a former Superman give them a lot of credibility in the world of fandom? It would certainly dredge up some competitive feelings between Marvel and DC fans. Henry Cavill might end up being too busy for the role of Captain Britain. He is still attached to Netflix's The Witcher for additional seasons, and we know he's involved in a massive multimedia project concerning the Mass Effect franchise. Now, that was a lot to read and a lot to go into, and basically the headline was what they posted, what they posted at Giant Freaking Robot, and it was a bit misleading. He's not necessarily joining Marvel, but if he was, it'd be nice if he were played Captain Britain. That's basically what the scoop says. We'll see if this comes out to be real or just internet. internet. Moving on to number eight. Ontario woman forced to pay 
3458 hotel quarantine bill for one night stay after returning to Canada after father's funeral. Oh, by the way, because we did go into the fact that these next four are the same ranking, it's based on the date they were posted that made this happen. So Henry Cavill's story was posted on Monday, the 1st of March. This story posted on Tuesday, the 2nd of March. There you go. Why it's ranked just a little bit higher. Here's a readout from Ontario's uh, from CT. CTVnews.ca, the Toronto version of it. An Ontario woman who went overseas to attend her father's funeral says she feels gouged by the government's, quote, ill-conceived, unquote, hotel quarantine plan that cost her $3,458 for one night stay. Christina Texiara says, it has been a nightmare to return to Canada. Texier arrived back in Canada along with her brother and daughter on February 27th after spending about a week in Portugal. She said it was impossible to get any answers about the hotel quarantine program while overseas and wasn't able to book a room until she landed in Toronto. Texiera asked officials in Toronto if her family could be exempt from the hotel program for compassion reasons, but her requests were denied. She says she was told to call the nearby Crown Plaza Hotel to book a room. Quote, we told the Crown Plaza the situation and that we needed to book a hotel. The guy said the rate would be $369 per night. and You have to book a minimum of three nights. Texiera said they booked the room with two queen beds and waited more for more than an hour for a shuttle to arrive. When it didn't arrive, they were eventually told to take a taxi to the hotel. More quotes. When we got there to check in, all of a sudden, our prices went up from $369 per night to $769 per night plus tax. They knew they were three of us. They didn't give us any, any right information. She said they weren't informed over the phone that the 369 rate was for a single person and that because they had three guests, they would be charged a higher rate, all with taxes and additional fees included. Texiera's credit card for is charged $3,458 stay in a hotel between February 27th and March the 1st, which is slightly lower than the $3,945 they were quoted when they first arrived at the hotel. So they actually saved $500, which Canadian may mean a lot, but she still did not know what was going on. They did not get the right details. They are frustrated. They're already coming back grieving from a funeral. This is a not good sign of customer service for the Crown Plaza, at least there in Toronto. We'll see if this goes into a longer discussion type of issue. At number seven, this story here, because it was posted on Wednesday, the 3rd of March. Remember, the last two stories in this one have the exact same ranking being all 20.83% uh, more engaging than the story at number 10. This headline reads, Christy Ella faces child porn lawsuit from woman who says he had sex with her at 17. Disturbing content warning coming right now. Comedian Christy Ella is facing a new lawsuit that accuses him of violating federal child pornography and child sexual exploitation laws, including soliciting more than 100 sexually explicit photos, soliciting more than 100 sexually explicit photos and videos from a woman identified as Jane Doe. Half of the photos and videos were allegedly taken when Doe was 17 years old, according to the lawsuit, which was filed Tuesday in federal district court for the Central District of California and renewed reviewed by the Times. 
Doe has reached out to Diella in September of 2014 via Instagram, never expecting a reply. The comic was on his, quote, under no influence tour at the time. They later communicated via Snapchat, the suit alleges, quote, when I was in my final year of high school and still a child, I was groomed by a celebrity twice my age. Ends the quote on that one. Doe says in a statement released Tuesday by her attorneys, Monica Beck and Chloe Neely of the Feinberg National Law Group. More from the uh, statement here. It goes like this. Chris Diella abused his status and fame to lure me in, take advantage and manipulate me when I was a vulnerable age. I want all any other girls out there to know they are not alone and it's time to get justice for the mental and physical toll he has put us through. A exposed person for Diella said Tuesday, here's his announcement, Chris denies these allegations and will vigorously defend against them in court. So Diella's career imploded last June after multiple women accused him via social media of sending graphic messages soliciting sex. In some cases, the women had gone to see him in person and described inappropriate behavior seeking sex. Five of Diella's many accusers spoke in detail to the Times. Some of those women were underage at the time the comic contacted them. Diella was quickly dropped by talent representation at the major agencies and a planned Netflix prank show was canned. His role in Zack Snyder's zombie movie Army of the Dead was recast. And like Louis C.K. before him, Diella was professionally exiled. On February 19th, after eight months of silence, Diella attempted to explain his misbehavior in a 10-minute video posted to YouTube. In it, he admits, here's a quote from that, Sex, it controlled me. It was, not, it was my focus all the time, and I had a problem. And I do have a problem. It's not like the months down the line, everything's better. I need to do work on that. He admitted to having sexual contact with many women while he was performing on the road and said that there were, quote, way more messages to women than those that were revealed in social media last summer. He maintained that all of his relationships were legal and consensual. So that's the key right there. L.A. Times is a source for the story. DL is not a, uh, hopefully I'm saying it right, not a comedian I'm familiar with. So not like I'm really, you know, it's really in my wheelhouse and going in that one. But uh, we are still dealing with a lot of things that are me too, because we should. Still doing a lot of things that are just really, we need information to get to because we've been so consumed by coronavirus related things, which is good. This is not exactly a good way to get out of coronavirus talk, but this was a story that went to the top of our conversations very quickly after it got posted and which is why it sustained its life throughout the week. Uh, Other stories obviously overtook it and the four way tie is a whole nother issue in itself. But this is a story that will probably have some more legs coming forward and we'll get deeper into as it progresses, especially as the court case progresses. And the final story in the four-way tie at the very beginning of the countdown is QAnon theorists switch date to March 20th after no Trump inauguration call the fourth false flag. Posted on Thursday, the 4th of the, the false flag day, the 4th of March. And this story we pulled from Newsweek, or at least the, the words from Newsweek. But this is a story that was making its widespread way up. I'm going to, because it's a long readout I'm just going to summarize this one from memory with a little bit of scanning from the notes. So the 4th of March, because of a very weird, obscure theory, uh, is the new inauguration date when Donald Trump was either going to be now the 19th president or the first president of a new nation. This goes back to a 
just weird oddity that essentially says Ulysses S. Grant was the last United States president because after he was inaugurated about a year, year and a half into his his actual term, the United States was incorporated as a new corporation, not the nation it was before. So everyone from 19 all the way to 45 originally weren't technically presidents, but there was a loophole that would allow Trump to just show up and say, dudes, I'm back, and he could make that happen. That's what it was said. That date has been pushed back. So the loophole is still thought still be there, but the date is now March the 20th. So we're going to keep our eyes on that. While no one with any real sanity believes this, uh, and no one of any real power base who acts actually any actual power is pushing for Trump to be reestablished just out of nowhere. There are a lot of people in the QAnon movement who are trying to do the best to keep it going, who are pushing this thought process that Donald Trump one, didn't lose the election. Florida playing folks are still saying that. And two, can reinstall himself based on this little thing. This, if it were to happen, would be the closest thing we've had to a true, real movie theater type, you know, storyline that would come to come to come to terms. Uh, that in most cases is just people's really weird imagination seeing how things would work out if we did these oddly odd, odd things. Apparently. Some people, QAnon folks, believe it could happen. They also believe that Democrats are are blood-drinking pedophiles. But, you, you know, it, it is what it is. There you go. Let's move on to the first story, or I guess our third story with an actual um, ranking. Our first story out of that four-way tie. This story gets to be where it is for being posted on Monday, the 1st of March. So it lasted a whole lot of time to stay here. It gets a bumper response from that gaggle of 18.97%. So each jump has been pretty big. It's just been into more jumps. And so this one is all by itself. This is essentially a theme that's been playing on quite some times. If we post Harry and Megan in the comments or Harry and Megan into the feed, you guys put Harry and Megan into the post. So their spot for this week is number five. With the headline that says, Oprah tells pregnant Meghan Markle and Prince Harry... Quote, you've said shocking things here, unquote, in sit down. So the actual interview that we've been talking about for months and what actually has had its its fallout basically already doesn't happen until tomorrow, I believe, as as we say this. Uh, This is being recorded on Saturday the 6th, so it doesn't actually air until tomorrow. But we've gotten so many bits and pieces of this that it's been all sorts of crazy. Let me read from the MSN.com. Uh, it's an aggregator itself, so we just pulled it from there, the aggregation. It probably came from people or a place like that. They have a very quick write-up, so I'll read that, and I'll do a little bit of extra commentary because y'all love some Harry and Meghan. The first look at Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's interview with Oprah Winfrey has aired. On Sunday, during 60 Minutes, a teaser of the trio sit-down, Oprah with Meghan and Harry, a CBS primetime special, was previewed on CBS. Quote, I just want to make it clear to everybody there is no subject that's off limits, Oprah says in a clip, who later told Megan, more quotes, were you silent or were you silenced? And almost unsurvivable sounds like there's a breaking point to a bad Oprah, sorry. At the end of the preview, Oprah Winfrey, who is also one of Megan and Harry's neighbors in the Montario neighborhood in California, told a couple, you've said some pretty shocking things here. That's what she said. 
As seen in the preview, Meghan and Harry will have individual interviews with Winfrey as well as a joint sit-down. In a second preview, which also aired during 60 Minutes broadcast, Harry spoke about his late mother, Princess Diana. The March 7th interview will air weeks after Buckingham Palace confirmed that Meghan and Harry will officially not be returning to their royal roles. The announcement came a few weeks shy of their 12-month review period. Meghan and Harry will no longer keep their patronages, the royal involvement with numerous UK charities, that's all in the parentheses, and Harry will lose his honorary military appointments, which will subsequently be redistributed, quote, among working members of the royal family, unquote. Although Meghan and Harry no longer use their coveted His, Her Royal Highness titles, they will remain them along with their Duke and Duchess of Sussex titles. While all the saddened by this decision, the Duke and Duchess remain loved members of this family, the Buckingham Palace announcement said. Really quick commentary into royal life. There are people here in the United States where I am who, who love or hate the relationship with loving or hating the royals. I would say the majority of them don't care or really don't really hate it. But there is a sort of uh, mythical sort of lovingly thing that some people have with it. And it is essentially attached to in here, this case right here, where Meghan Markle, an American, married into the royal family, which made it a whole nother crazy dynamic with her background. Not that there's anything wrong with her background, but because she had a background to deal with. And the fact that because of many issues, many of them real, many of them just because they're overly hyped because of the royals made them want to leave the royalty altogether for the most part. Although they wanted to, to stay a part of the family, they just didn't want to deal with the royal stuff. A lot of tabloid stuff that over there, tabloids are really, really harsh. A lot of racial stuff over there. And now they're fighting back being the royal family or so much the palace workers saying that Meghan Markle was actually hard to deal with as opposed to they dealt with her hardly, if that makes any sense. We will continue to post more stories about the Royals because you guys respond to them. We will post probably a story with some reaction to the Oprah Winfrey interview that happens tomorrow night as I record this in the States on Saturday afternoon. We'll see what happens with this. It's it's hard to break away from this couple, hard to break away from these people, hard to break away from this story because people are engaged with it. But some people aren't as engaged. And I'm honestly going to say, I'm not, but this is not about me. It's about what you guys want to talk about. You want to go further into the story or tell me that I am right and we should do less of this stuff? Email us, the conversation inbox at gmail.com, and we can discuss this offline. Back to the tie stories, back to shenanigans. Our second tie is a regular tie of two stories. These stories, number four and three, get a bump in response from the five story of 16.67% in engagement. The Later story, the older story being the story posted on Friday, the 26th of February. Another disturbing content warning for you, but this story headline goes like this. Melissa Caddick confirmed dead, foot found on NSW South Coast. That's North South Wales. Um, And this is obviously a story from the other side of the world from me. We got the source from the newdaily.com.au, Australia. And here is the writer that we received from that we put into our newsletter uh, for the eight things to talk about for this week. Missing businesswoman Melissa Kadek is dead, police have confirmed, after a foot washed up on a beach more than 400 kilometers from where she had last seen in Sydney's eastern suburbs. The 49-year-old did not take her mobile phone, wallet, or keys when she left her Dover Heights home to go for a run, 
just before sunrise on November the 12th. Ms. Caddick had not been seen since, and police on Friday confirmed campers found her, quote, body decomposed, badly decomposed foot, unquote, inside a shoe at Halbert Beach in the Boborna National Park near Tatra on Sunday. DNA from the foot was matched to samples taken from Ms. Caddick's toothbrush and family. Barbuda Beach is about 430 kilometers south of the clifftop home where Ms. Caddick was last seen. Police said modeling of drifts and waves showed it is possible that Ms. Caddick entered the water from Dover Heights before her body was carried down, carried south. However, police stressed it was still early days in the investigation. Assistant Commissioner Willing said her family had been informed that Thursday night that they were, quote, very distressed by the news. Prior to her disappearance, her eastern suburb home was raided by investigators from the Australian Securities and Investigations Investment Commission. Sorry about that. ASIC. ASC alleged she was misappropriating investors' funds through her financial services company, Malver, and operating without a license. Federal court this week heard forensic reports of Ms. Caddick's company run into, quote, hundreds, unquote, of pages and investors were in the process of trying to recoup millions of dollars they gave to her. The corporation Watchdog previously said in a court that Ms. Caddick's investors handed over $13.1 million and named more than 60 clients in documents. However, a law firm acting for some of the investors believe the true total may be $20 million or higher. Go deeper in that story by going to our website, thisistheconversation.com, and click the link for the news podcast, week ending March the 6th, 2021. This is a story that has no local tones to me. I only heard about it as a trending story to post into the light. And as we talk about, uh, we get a lot of hits from various places, from my standpoint, international. We get a lot of traffic from folks in, in Australia and New Zealand, oddly enough. And it's because this is a global news platform. We put out stories that people get into, and some folks from around the globe will help to push this story, this one particularly, and other stories up into the higher ranks. It's also a pretty grueling and grisly story. And we, I know we in the States are really big in the true crime as in the podcasting and in the stories. So it's another case of a something soon to be uncovered story that I'm sure us here in the States will be keeping an eye on and there in Australia because there are criminal and money implications being kept an eye on as well. Another disturbing uh, content warning for this one, another tie. This one coming out on Sunday, the 28th of February. So we wrapped out the year, or the month, should say, of February. Two pretty grisly stories. This headline at number three, of course, tied with number four. Louis Nix III, 29, found dead after being reported missing. Former NFL defensive tackle Louis Nix III was found dead in Florida on Saturday, three days after being reported missing by his mother. Nix was 29. NBC Sports reports the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office pulled a car from a pond near Nix's apartment that matches vehicle's description. Nix was last seen alive on Tuesday. Nix, a third-round choice of the Texans in 2014, was shot in December while putting air into his tires in his car. The bullet, Nix explained at the time, ricocheted off his sternum and entered his lung. He had surgery to remove it. The Jacksonville Sheriff's Office had not indicated that shooting is related to Nix's death. Besides the Texans, Nix also spent time with the Giants, Washington, and Jaguars. He only played four career games, all with the Giants in 2015 because of knee issues. MSM.com is the source we got this from. Once again, thoughts and prayers going out to the family of Louis Nix III uh, and all the folks around him. Uh, you know, 
you know, blood family, friend family, all the folks that worked with him as they deal with the loss of this person. Definitely uh, way too soon at 28. The next story is the top-ranking Facebook story this week. And because it was so high-ranking and was such a big deal on Facebook, it's what pulled it into the limelight, into the top 10. We talk about on this podcast that the rate in it to uh, story ratio is usually around, around 90-10. 90% of the engagement is on, is on Twitter, while 10% is on Facebook. Actually, it's more like 8 to 90, 92% on that at end. Uh, but this is a, a gate, and when we get to the numbers, this story right here, uh, the way it was portrayed on Facebook and engagement there, uh, raised up the game for Facebook this week. And it just for some reason, while it was a very hot story around the world, this story did not pull the Twitter love that it would get engaged. But Facebook more than more than took care of it and put it at the number two spot this week. Your headline at number two. Nike exec resigns after 25 years in a job when it was revealed her 19-year-old son was infamous sneaker reseller. We pulled this from Bro Bible, but like I said, this was a big business deal, big business story around the world. And because um, there are a lot of sneaker heads out there who are, know their internets, they got into this one as well. Uh, we're going to read you a bit from the posting we put online, and we'll talk a bit about it as we get into the number one story. Oh, by the way, the bumper response for this story is 12.42%. Taking liberties with the name based on the spelling, Ann Hebert made it high up in the chain at Nike, but was forced to quit her job when it was revealed that her son was an infamous sneaker reseller. Last week, Joe Hebert spoke with Bloomberg Business in a lengthy interview about his sneaker reselling business. During the interview, the writer learned about Joe's mother, who happened to be a vice president and general manager for Nike North America. Apparently, Joe used a credit card in his mother's name to make a large purchase for his reselling business. Ebert admitted that his mother was a VP at Nike, but denied that he had ever uh, received any help or inside information from her for his business. People on the international on the internet started putting two and two together and called out Hebert, who frequently bragged about how much money he had made reselling sneakers online. The Bloomberg story also details how Joe stumbled upon several pairs of the ultra-rare Nike mags, which netted him a $20,000 profit and led to more accusations of his mother may have provided him with insider information. Insider information is a big deal. It's a big deal for, you know, Wall Street types. It's a big deal for sneaker resellers who have access to the goods, the good stuff as well. Whether this was malicious or not, I guess time will tell. But this one little foible or maybe a standard bunch of foibles by a mother and son, maybe mother trying to help the son do good things in life and have a business allowed for the mother to go down. A fairly high up ranking person in the member of the chain, the VP in North, North America on sales, now no longer working those jobs. Now, let's not feel too bad for her because she probably had some golden parachute set up aside anyway. And what actually happens in these cases is somebody from some other company who needs someone more or less in the same level exec, it's going to be it's going to be a lateral or, or at, at worst, a very low um, breaking down until something higher pops up. We'll hire her very soon. We don't have to worry about them losing any money or worry about Joe without his supply being able to make any money for the family. They will be fine. They will be fine. Don't worry about that. Uh, but we will see probably if you follow the business 
uh, if all the business of uh, the chatter, you'll probably see more chances of what happens with the Haberts, Haberts, Haberts going forward. Now, the number one story always gets a lot of fanfare because it earned it. This is also one that's going to be a bit of a controversial one. It's not was not a American story, so my commentary may or may not go well with it. You let me know, and we'll go forward with that. But the story is a top Twitter story. Twitter rules the world, as we say, for these things, so that's what made it where it was. The bump in response from the number two story, though, only 4.42%, so not that massive, but from the number 10 story, remember, we had a lot of high stories with a lot of uh, ties to make that a little odder for the day. Number 10 story, which was J- Jamil French and his death, the bump response was 96.88%, almost 100% more engaging than that one. From the very bottom to this week, the number 202 story this week, the almost relevant story of the week, we will get to that in a moment. The bump in response is 18,800%. The story got a total engagement of the entire brand of 3.28%. So that's how many people who interacted with our with our countdown this week, with our stories, touched this story in some way. Uh, and we'll talk more about the fuller rankings on that one. But let's get to the story itself. Friday, the 26th of February, rounding out February with this story. ISIS bride Shamina Bejum loses bid to return to UK in citizenship fight. The source for the story is the New York Post. Obviously, this is a worldwide story, and a lot of people around the world got on this one. Here's the write-up that we posted in our newsletter, Eight Things to Talk About. ISIS bride Shamina Begin, the British woman who fled to Syria to join a terror group in 2015 and quickly married one of its fighters, lost her bid Friday to return to the UK to fight for the restoration of her citizenship because she poses a security risk. And a unanimous ruling by Britain's Supreme Court overturned a decision by the Court of Appeals last year, which had held that Begum must be allowed to return so she can have a fair appeal in her case. Quote, the right to a fair hearing does not trump all considerations, such as safety to the public. It is vital public interest makes it impossible for a case to be fairly heard. Then the courts cannot ordinarily hear it. That said Robert Reed, the president of the Supreme Court. This is reported by Reuters. The UK-born Beejum, 21, was 15 when she took off with two other schoolgirls from Bethnal Green Academy in East London to join the terror group. She married an ISIS fighter two weeks in, later and lived in Raqqa, the capital of the self-declared caliphate. caliphate. In 2019, Begum turned at a reg, turned at a refugee camp in Syria where three of her children died. She told reporters that she wished to return home, but former Home Secretary Zahid Vahid stripped her of her citizenship months later, with domestic intelligence agency considering her a security risk. He argued that she was Bangladeshi by descent, and she could go there instead. That's an interesting take on that. She's of Bangladeshi descent, so her family originally from Bangladesh, which is maybe how she got tangled up into the whole movement anyway. But somehow, over time and and over place, she just wants to go home. Whether she wants to go home and deal with consequences that should be there, I say should because I believe that, or she really is done with the ISIS stuff after being disillusioned, leaving at 15 for the love and the glory of the fight, and after dealing with so much pain and so much, just so much agony and dealing with the terror at 21, 
losing children, living in refugee camps, dealing with all what's going on. Uh, maybe she's just kind of just done. And the problem is the UK, England apparently is done with her. They feel she is a security threat by being in their borders, even if it's to appeal a case to have her come back to live those borders. They aren't going to let her in. So where does she go from there? We'll see whether she goes to Bangladesh or someplace like that or or, or she settles somewhere else. Uh, and whether this turns out to be just another continuation of these type of stories or if this one actually has some sort of happy ending. Many of them do not. Most of them do not. We just have to see on that end. We will wrap up all the countdown and give you the almost relevant story of the week. It's listed as 201 in a few minutes. Plus, go through all the stats and all the apologies we do for weird stats in just a moment. This is the weekly wrap up with Jay Cleveland Payne for the week ending March the 6th, 2021. As I noted, this podcast is powered by you. So if you'd like to help keep things going, you think the content is great or you just think I'm kind of cool. It's very simple. There's a lot of ways to really engage with us and keep things going. Number one, go to thisistheconversation.com slash partnerships. There are links there for ways you can help partner up and literally help pay the bills for things. There's a Patreon link. There's a link to buy me a coffee. There are other things as well that we're trying to find a way to. As my old insurance manager that taught me once back when I sold insurance, if a person walks into this building, Find a way to get a dollar out of them before they leave. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to find the best, easy ways for you to help support us. And it is for you supporting us if these are things that we need you to help us with to keep things going. Most importantly, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast and being a part of the community, chatting things up as well, sharing that with other folks. And one other way is just click on any link we have that's for a sponsor, whether inside of our newsletter, whether on the website itself, whether you see them coming down the feeds. These are affiliate links that help us give us a little bit of money, a little change off your purchase, cost you nothing extra, but it gives us a little bit to help keep things going. And one that we are truly in love with, I've been in love with this service, this app for many, many years, is Blinkist. And I was so glad that I went to the full version because the the regular version, there's a free version of the, of the app and allows you to listen to the blink of the day. Every single day they release or they spotlight a new blink and you can listen to a great audiobook, a great nonfiction book uh, on your own. Not the full audiobook. What they do is they take real books and they break this in- information down into blinks, sometimes eight, sometimes maybe 15 different points of view, different important points to really go into a deep dive. And they do it in a way where you can intake it in 15 minutes. Either you can read them or you can listen to them as they're recorded as blinks. If you get the full version, you get access to their vast catalog of books that you can just go to and listen to as many as you want to in any order you feel like it. There are curated lists. There are special engagements going on. They also have links to uh, shortcasts, which are very short podcasts that, that go follow along the same method of Blinkist. Concise podcasts that you learn things from, and you can have access to buy the full version of audio and ebooks from the full versions of, of all the versions you're listening to. You can get caught up on all the nonfiction books, whether you're looking for business books, self-help books, autobiographies, 
you can find those type of books for you and get caught up on all the reading that you don't think you have time for. All those people that brag about readers are leaders and the fact that they read, you know, a book a week and they, they make time for it. You can't figure out how you're going to make time for reading a book a month or a year because things are so crazy. You can knock out a couple books in a day. If you have 15 minutes here or there, you can read a couple books and take care of it. Blinkist is a great app to have, and we have a great deal for you getting that trial subscription for the full app at thisistheconversation.com slash Blinkist. Thisistheconversation.com slash Blinkist. You want to be a knowledgeable person because you listen to a podcast on news stories from around the world. Get caught up on actual intelligent books from around the world. It's, it's easy to do. Just get the Blinkist app and you'll be taken care of immediately. Go to thisisaconversation.com slash Blinkist for a free trial of the full version of the app and you will find you don't know how you'll live going forward without it. The irregularities this week of the ties, not so much we had multiple ties, but that we had a four-way tie so early in the contents or, or late in the countdown. It just goes to show just how sometimes the oddity of the world and numbers are. It just sort of happened, and we are glad we came up with this thought process of making the younger story the higher rank. That way we don't have a tide at six from 10 to six. It, it just sounds weird. I hate it doing that in the early days. So we just decided to give some love to where the stories were posted in the week and give it a little bit more weight to it if we needed it. That is our tiebreaker on that end. We had other different things where we had like um, little engagement things and little little didn't know things. We just turned, but we went to pure engagement uh, for a number just to see. And when we had ties, we just went to the story that was the youngest that got there. Uh, with the less amount of time, the same amount of number as being having more juice. So that's why that numbers were there. But of course, the tie from nine to six and the tie from three to four, a normal tie, which was no big deal. Uh, of course, the big deal this week was the big story at number two for the Nike exec uh, getting fired for her son selling the sneakers. The fact that that was so blown up on Facebook, uh, it, it outweighed anything else throughout the week and turned our Facebook love engagement to a 16.38% number for the week. In fact, normally Facebook is around 8 to 9%. It doubled for this week because of this one story and some other stories as well. So that meant the Twitter love only at 83.62%. Normally it's above 90, but um, it's, it is what it is for this week. Now, the engagement total, we told you the top story engagement was 3.28%. So oddly enough, with all the stories so tied together and so close together, the numbers and stepped up for engagement was not quite as high as normal. Normally, the top 10 stories combined are in the 30 to 35% range of stories in total engagement. This week, 24.09%, so down 5 to 10% of what's normal. The almost rands, those are stories starting at 11 through 15. We give you this number just to show you the, those five stories that weren't quite in range, including our teaser story about the VCU fraternity de- dealing with their issues. 7.02%. That number is up and probably up because the stories above them in the top range are sort of down. Normally, that number is 5 to sometimes 6%, up by a full percent if that means something. The bottom story this week is actually down. It normally is at 0.03%. Yes, we go that far. This one, only 0.02%. Not sure why it got that that 
bulking. But one thing that is definitely interesting about it, normally these stories are stories that are posted late in our countdown. That's either late on Thursday or very early Friday, somewhere between uh, 11 o'clock and 2 a.m. in most cases on the in the in the time frames where there's not a lot of chances to pick things up. This one was posted on Wednesday, the 3rd of March, got absolutely nowhere and stuck there because no one really got into it. But this is a very interesting story. So we're going to continue on in the vein. We've been flipping back and forth lately on how we're dealing with the Almost Relevant Story of the Week. We're going to read it to you because the fact that it did so little sort of made it earn so much. And this is one that's actually a, a happy ending, but a very, very odd story. The story at number 202 this week with a responsive less. That means it was less responsive than the top story by 18,800% reads like this. Search for raccoon leads officer to injured woman trying to crawl home in Tennessee. There's your headline. Here's the story we pulled from the Charlotte Observer. A wildlife officer responding to a tip about an injured raccoon in the East Tennessee mountains instead found an injured woman who was desperately trying to crawl on all fours back to a rural home, the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency reports. It happened Sunday afternoon, 10 miles east of Dandridge, in a sparsely populated area near Great Smoky Mountains National Park, the agency said. District 42 wildlife officer Chase Rich hears cries for help coming from nearby Ray Hollow Road, the agency posted on Monday in their Facebook. He drove to the location and located a woman trying to crawl back to her house with a dog on a leash. The woman had tumbled on an embankment and hurt her ankle, the agency reported. It's not sure how she had been in or how long she had been in need of help when the officer heard her cries. Quote, no one inside her home could hear calling for help. So Officer Rich took the dog to the house and notified the woman's daughter who called her father for help. State reported Officer Rich used a splint to stabilize her ankle and helped the injured woman's father load her into a vehicle for a trip to emergency room. The woman identified was not the woman's identity was not released and officials have not provided an update on her condition. More than 2000 people have reacted to the commented to the state's Facebook post. Sorry for bad reading about the incident with many lauding rich for quick thinking. We also think officer rich for his quick thinking and helping out in that situation. We are so glad the woman was safely returned to her family in the hospital. I hope she's doing well. We don't know the status of the injured raccoon and how someone would give a tip on an injured raccoon. But the wildlife officers are supposed to deal with those things and in the process had a larger thing to deal with. And he took care of that. Thank you so much, Officer Rich, for taking care of that. And I thank each and every one of you for taking care of me this week on the show, giving me stuff to talk about. Even if that story was at the very bottom, it turned out a great place to be. So. We're wrapping up on the weekly wrap-up with Jacob and Payne right here. Remember, to be a part of the show, you just need to literally be a part of the show and get my work done for me. You tell me what the storylines we're talking about are by following our social media. It's Go to Facebook. Look for This is a Conversation. We're a blue speech bubble-looking thing. And if on Twitter, same blue speech bubble-looking thing, but we're called TH underscore conversation. This conversation is way too many words for Twitter, obviously. And as you check your feed throughout the week, throughout the day, throughout the hour, as things are going on, see what we're up to. Like the stories, hate the stories, engage with the stories, share a couple stories. Please read the stories. And the more engagement these stories get throughout the week, the higher the score comes up when the week is over. We put it in the spreadsheet, give you the one true score that gives us a top and bottom. 
and tell you what stories you said were the top stories of the week. And as always, or as usually I should say, it's not necessarily the one breaking news story that's been broken all week. It's usually a deeper dive of things that might have been missed because your local news and the national news are stuck on those big stories. They're big stories for a reason, but sometimes there's other information that you don't get to hear. We like to think we're a great uh, secondary source of information for things you might have missed someplace else. Make sure you're sharing the podcast with other folks. Make sure you're sharing the newsletter with other folks. Make sure you're sharing our social media feeds with other folks. And if you feel that you are getting a lot out of this, go to thisistheconversation.com slash partnerships and see if there's a way that we can partner up to help keep things going. Go to thisistheconversation.com slash Blinkist and something we have for you, a way to get caught up on all them books that you hadn't been interested in to read on this time. 15 minutes to get in great nonfiction books. Check it out at thisistheconversation.com slash Blinkist. This is the part where I say thank you three times, mumble a little bit and say thank you three more times, wrap it up. So thank you, thank you, thank you. This does not happen without you. You give us what to talk about. We talk about it together and we will do this again going forward as best as possible. Thank you for all the feedback we've had on the tweaks we've had. We're working them in as best as possible as they make sense. And in even the ones that the, the not so nice comments, we take those into consideration as well. All comments are welcome. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Already posting stories, preparing for the next week's podcast. So check them out. Go to the website. Check out our social media feeds and get ready for another edition as we'll count down the stories from 10 to 1. The stories that you say are the most conversational news stories around the world on the weekly wrap up with Jake Lee Payne. We will talk to you again next week.